Welcome to the Fashion Unearthed podcast. If you need help navigating the fashion industry sustainably, you have come to the right place. I'm your host, Belinda Humphrey, and my hope is to simplify the fashion industry so that businesses can make the best decisions for people, planet, and product. Hello, and welcome to episode 76 of the Fashion Unearthed podcast. It has been freezing in Melbourne the last few days, so winter is well and truly here. But today I wanted to talk about the recent clothing stewardship scheme launched here in Australia called Seamless, and it was released by the Australian Fashion Council. But before I get into that, a reminder about my one-on-one sessions that I have available. They are either a Ask Me Anything strategy session or the range review session, and it's a chance to have one-on-one time with me to nut out any ideas or have some questions answered to help you feel more confident about your product decisions. So you might be an independent retailer stocking brands and you want to know what to look out for when choosing more sustainable brands. Or a recent inquiry that I had was someone moving production offshore and they wanted to know what to look for and steps that they can put in place to reduce the risk of things going wrong. So if that's something you're interested in, head to the shop at belindahumphrey.com. So like I said, today I wanted to talk about Seamless, which is a clothing stewardship scheme created by a government-funded consortium led by the Australian Fashion Council. It was commissioned in response to clothing textiles being placed on the Federal Minister's priority list for product stewardship in 2021, and the industry was required to take action to reduce the volume of clothing sent to landfill. And other countries have gone through this process and they refer to it as an extended producer's responsibility or an EPR. The report pitches a vision of what a circular economy in Australia will look like in 2030, which is the date they've set to meet the goals. They paint a picture of our wardrobes containing fewer clothes, most of which will be made to last from renewable fibres. Many will be on their second life or come from rental, and it will be standard practice for less durable items such as underwear to be made from recycled materials. But today I wanted to unpick what this means for a designer, highlight some alternative perspectives and some issues that I don't think have been addressed. But let's start at the beginning. What does it mean for designers? Essentially, it's a formalised push to design for circularity, meaning that clothing is designed to be more durable and recyclable, as well as made from preferred fibres whilst also minimising waste in manufacturing. And this step of product development phase is an important one as it then enables other uses down the line, such as rental, repair and resale, creating these loops of use. But if I'm honest, I would say a lot of designers have always been okay with using better quality fabrics and they already know how to design durable garments, which I'll get into later. And I doubt many good designers are excited by cheap materials. So while designers might have to brush up on or remember techniques that might have been trained out of them if they've been in the industry for a while, I can see three near-term challenges for designers in the industry that are working towards this goal. Firstly, industry knowledge of what circular design means. Even if the designer is versed on what that means, there's a need for key business stakeholders to understand what that means too, such as buyers, planners, merchandising, marketing, sales staff, etc. Secondly is deciphering the B2B greenwashing. And I've been focused purely on a more sustainable and circular fashion designing space for the last three years, and I've watched developments in the circular economy movement in Europe and the UK in particular, and I have seen the language co-opted by businesses to enable greenwashing and to sell their product to other businesses. 
So I think that's one that businesses need to be careful of too, particularly when choosing materials. And the third one is getting buy-in from the buyers and planners who purely have financial targets. This will be the toughest barrier. And I feel for those designers working particularly in the big businesses, getting people over the line with more sustainable fabrics or better construction methods is a hard sell because it usually always costs more. That's why my first point of everyone in the business and the key stakeholders understanding what circular design means is so important. Now, there's a figure that floats around that 80% of a product's environmental impact is influenced by decisions made at the design stage. And it's often inferred that it's the fabric or design choices that are made by the designer when making the product. And in earlier years, I've quoted this neat little figure, but I've since changed my mind for two reasons. Firstly, critics of the fashion industry have gone as far to say that there is no robust independent evidence that preferred materials such as organic cotton contribute to the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, or the Paris Agreement. Veronica Bates co-authored a report called Amplifying Misinformation, the Case of Sustainability Indices in Fashion, and she builds the case that only 10% of the lifetime climate impact of a garment can be attributed to the fibre production of the raw material phase. And the greatest greenhouse gas emissions, and opportunities to improve it, come from the manufacturing stage, and more importantly, how the energy is generated. So 10% is wildly different to 80%. The second reason is my experience of being a senior designer in those sign-off meetings with buyers, head of buying, planners, and pitching and trying to propose better quality fabrics for items I was designing, even with all the different angles and tricks that I would try to influence, was a hard battle to win. Buyers, KPIs, and bonuses are linked to profit. So any material that costs more, they're going to be reluctant to commit to. And essentially, a buyer signs off on a purchase order. I've even had an experience with a buyer changing materials without telling me during the price negotiation phase. So I have a strong reaction when that figure gets mentioned, and particularly when I was in sales meetings and the phrase product failure, in commas, was used for poor sales. And the product that landed in store wasn't even the way that I designed it. Can a designer make a more durable product to enable something to stay in use longer? Yes. In fact, many already do. But like I said, the problem comes with costings. I remember a few years ago freelancing a large retailer and the buyer was taking off all the twin needle stitching on the kids wear and replacing it with single needle to save a couple of cents per garment. And this was to meet an overall pricing target or challenge given to them by their manager with no thought as to how that would affect a garment's quality. Plus, there is no shortage of clothes being found in Africa or any other country it seems at the moment with the tags still on that haven't even been worn. So even designing to enable repair is irrelevant to a large section of product, particularly when the cost of repair is more than buying a new one again. It signals to the customer that it isn't valuable enough to repair. I've been in the industry long enough to remember when spare buttons and spare yarn or beads would be attached in nice little packages to the garments. And over time, the buttons were instead sewn onto a care label on the inside until finally I've seen them removed completely to save half a cent per garment. The thing is, businesses essentially report on profit. They're part of a huge system feeding into another system that monitors GDP for countries. So there's no line in a sales meeting that buyers and managers run through listing how many people in the supply chain were treated better this year or paid more or chemicals avoided. So for me, there's still some missing pieces. 
going back to the original need for this program and the government's concerns, it was about the amount of clothing that goes to landfill. So I would have liked the issue of overproduction of clothes in the first place by businesses addressed in the framework. I don't know what that would look like. Maybe clothing units produced versus sold at full price? I'm not sure. But for me, I think it's a lot better not to make it in the first place rather than figure out what to do with it 12 months later. It's the middle of June here in Melbourne and our financial year ends at the end of June, so everyone's on sale trying to offload poor performing stock. And you only have to walk around a shopping centre to see that getting a quantity wrong isn't a one-off. Judging by the sales banners and EDMs, seemingly most stores are getting the quantity wrong on 80% of their stock. All that being said, I remain hopeful because at least we are having the conversation at a national level and the government has vowed to only allow 12 months for this scheme to prove itself. Otherwise, the Environment Minister Tanya Plibersek has said that if the voluntary scheme is not viable, if we don't believe it's sufficient or if it's not raising enough money to cover its costs, then I will regulate, I will impose the system and I will set the levy. Which brings us to the end of today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the episode today and like I said, if you've got any questions about circular design or business challenges that you want to nut out, you can book in for an Ask Me Anything one-on-one session which are available in my shop on the website, belindahumphrey.com. And if you are looking to work with me on coaching or design projects, you can get in touch via info at belindahumphrey.com or DM or message me on Instagram too at belindahumphrey. And like always, you'll find the show notes and any links on the website, belindahumphrey.com, in the podcast section. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Fashion Unearthed podcast. If you want to get in touch, head over to belindahumphrey.com or you can find me on Instagram at belindahumphrey.com.